0: John chapter 19. Um, do you know how challenging it is to be preaching through the Gospel of John and be in the section on the crucifixion on Valentine's Day? Uh, that's, uh, that, that's an interesting uh, combination uh, to try to, uh, to be somewhat um, uh, seasonal, uh, topical, uh, and remain true uh, to the text that we've been following. And, uh, and as I studied this text, it uh, really, um, uh, kind of like a light bulb came on to me. Uh, there, there is not a better text, uh, a better part of the w- Word of God anywhere uh, to talk about love uh, than to talk about the the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, There's not a better uh, example uh, of what love looks like anywhere uh, to be found. And so, uh, we're picking up in uh, John 19, uh, in uh, verse, uh, verse twi- uh, 16 this morning. Uh, we're going to look at three little verses here uh, that are part of uh, the crucifixion story. Uh, interesting, uh, we don't have n- not, uh, none of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John uh, give us a complete beginning to end uh, account uh, of the crucifixion uh... we have to take and uh... read the four gospels and kind of bring it together uh... to get uh, a picture uh... the total story uh... of the crucifixion and that's uh... because each one of the the writers of the gospels were writing uh... for a different purpose in writing To a different audience, uh, and each one uh, had a different background. Uh, It's kind of this may be a really poor example, uh, but it's kind of like have you ever heard? uh, Maybe there there was a car accident, uh, and you know the police show up and they interview three or four eyewitnesses, and you know every one of them sees, you know they they tell a different story uh, of what they saw. Uh, and that's what we have with the Gospels here. Each one of them uh, tells a, a, what, what they saw from, uh, from their background and for, uh, for their audience. And so, uh, John, uh, we have details here that we don't have uh, in uh, the other Gospels, uh, but uh, I want us to look this morning, uh, again, being here... Uh, Valentine's Day and uh, I look out and I see a lot of you got on your, uh, your red this morning and uh, I want to talk to you about uh, this topic of love. I want to talk to you about uh, this topic, the love languages of the Lord. The Love Language of the Lord. I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity uh, to read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Uh, Gary is uh, associate pastor up at Calvary in Winston. Uh, I've had the opportunity to sit with Gary and uh, hear him teach on this. And uh, Gary is just a brilliant, uh, godly man. Uh, And uh, this book is uh, really... uh, um, I, again, this is another one where I don't get any commission, uh, but I, I, I do think if you, uh, if you took the time, and you don't even really need to read the book anymore, there's so much about uh, the five love languages online, uh, you can... Um, uh, take uh, a little quiz and it'll tell you what uh, your love language is. And what he means by uh, love language uh, is he identifies uh, five, five different love languages. Obviously the name of the book's Five Love Languages. It'd be weird to have six in the book. Uh, but uh, five, uh, the five love languages. And what he says is that every one of us, every human being, experiences love uh, in a different way. Uh, we feel love through, uh, through different, uh, different avenues. One of them, uh, he, he uh, describes and lays out, uh, are words of affirmation. Uh, simply, uh, when someone tells you, hey, you did a good job, hey, I love you, uh, appreciate you doing that, whatever. Just words uh, of affirmation, uh, which, by the way, is the largest Uh, over and over, uh, that is the largest group. Most people, uh, the majority of people fall in uh, to that uh, category. Another one of his uh, languages are uh, is receiving gifts, uh, and, and again, that doesn't mean you know new cars, but just uh, little trinkets, even a, uh, you know just just little uh, gifts. That's how some people uh, experience and uh, and and feel uh, that someone uh, loves them. Uh, third would be quality time, uh, spending uh, again just what it sounds like, spending quality time uh, with the person you want to show uh, that you love them. Uh, fourth uh, is the idea of physical touch, uh, and, and we're not talking about uh, just intimacy. We're talking about uh, walking along and, and holding hands or a hug or uh, you know just just physical touch is how. Some people uh, really, uh, that, that's what they really crave to know, uh, that they are loved. Uh, and then acts of service, uh, doing something for uh, You know, maybe... Um, If, uh, you know, uh, I said, uh, you know, somebody said no man's ever been shot while washing the dishes, Uh, you know, uh, but acts of service, uh, you know, doing things for uh, the person you want uh, to show that you love them. Uh, And so those are the five love languages, and probably, uh, without even taking uh, Chapman's quiz, you probably have figured out, uh, most likely if you're self-aware at all, uh, you have a pretty good idea of which one of those uh, you fall into. Uh, But um, Chapman doesn't really talk about this as much. Uh, He talks about receiving uh, the love language. But I think there's a flip side of that, and that is that most of us, I think, are better at showing love a certain way, uh, you know, we're better at. Uh, we may be better at uh, acts of service. We may be better at uh, words of affirmation. You know, uh, for some people, uh, you know, this words of affirmation for some people, uh, that's it, really hard for them to do. Uh, they really struggle uh, with saying to somebody, hey, good job, uh, love you, thank you. Uh, some people struggle uh, with that. It's really a, a difficult uh, thing uh, for them to do. Uh, and, and what I want us to look at this morning is the love language that we see Jesus using uh, in, uh, in the story of the crucifixion. Just how uh, Jesus said I love you. Uh, Just how he revealed to us uh, his love for us. By now, uh, we've been through several uh, (laughs) make-believe, I don't even know the right adjective to use to describe uh, the trials that Jesus has been through. Uh, He has been beaten. Uh, We have, uh, you know, we've been through all that. And, And finally, uh, when we get uh, down to uh, verse 16, uh, the Bible says, So he delivered, them, uh, delivered him over to them to be crucified. Uh, and so we finally uh, come to uh, the point that uh, that we all knew uh, was coming. We all knew uh, before we got there. There was you know there was no real suspense in this room this morning. Uh, over the last few weeks, as we come through that, uh, thinking, well, maybe they'll find him innocent. Uh, we knew all along how it was going to turn out, and we're finally uh, to uh, to this place where uh, he is turned over uh, to them for crucifixion. And in that, I think we see uh, this first uh, way, this first time uh, that Jesus says, uh, shows us uh, that, he, uh, that He loves us and demonstrates His love for us. Uh, uh, as you read verse 16, it is almost uh, comical uh, when you stop and think about it that Pilate delivers Jesus over to them uh, to be crucified. Uh, again, I cast your mind back a few verses uh, where Pilate looked at Jesus and said, Don't you know I have the authority uh, to either release you you, uh, or have you crucified uh, and Jesus responded and said, you don't have any authority that I don't give you Uh, The only authority you have uh, is what I allow you uh, to have. And and when we come forward here uh, into verse 16 and we read uh, that Pilate delivered him uh, over uh, to Jesus. I I, I remember uh, reading something one time. How many of you in here know and remember who Andre the Giant is? Uh, uh, remember Andre the Giant the old wrestler uh, and I remember one time they asked another wrestler something about uh, you know and, and shh y'all know wrestling's rigged right I didn't want you didn't want to let anybody in you still good aren't you okay they asked him one time somebody was talking to some wrestlers and they asked him about beating Andre the Giant actually pinning him for a count of three And I don't remember the exact question, the exact interview, but I I remember the gist of the answer. You only beat Andre Andre the Giant if he lets you. You don't pin Andre the Giant because you won. You pin because he goes along with letting you pin him. When I read verse 16, and I read that Pilate delivered him over to the Jews, that's what I think of. You only delivered Him because He allowed Himself to be delivered. Pilate, you don't have any authority here. The first way that Jesus showed us His tremendous love for us uh, is seen in that statement, and that is the subdued power uh, that Jesus demonstrated. You know, power uh, to really uh, to, to be effective... Power has to be uh, restrained. Power has to be uh, controlled. You take uh, steam and just turn it loose, uh, and it has no real power. You put it into a container, and you direct that, uh, that steam into a piston, and, and you can move a freight train. You take a, a, a river, and you just turn it loose, but you put a, a dam on that river, and you put uh, turbines on that river, you generate uh, electricity. Uh, Jesus demonstrated uh, His love for you and I by subduing uh, His power. By taking on flesh, by coming to this earth walking this earth going through all that we've read about up to this point with being scourged with being beaten with being abused with being ridiculed uh... with being beaten to within uh... literally uh, again inches of his life many of those uh, who were scourged as Jesus uh... has been scourged never made it to the cross they died uh... at the scourging it was known uh, to expose uh... internal organs they would bleed to death uh long before they ever uh, got to the cross. And so when I read this statement that says that Pilate delivered him, uh, it almost causes me to laugh that Pilate actually thought uh, he was delivering. Jesus, that the Jews actually believed they were taking control uh, of Jesus. But uh, what we see here is actually a demonstration uh, of Christ saying, this is how much I love you. I could... I, I don't know if I've ever told y'all this before. I had two guys work for me. Uh, and and they had been around. They, they, got there, they were there long before me. One morning the bread was really late. And they got to picking and joking around, and wrestling around in the floor. And they got all tangled up. And, and, and Elwood had Bob in a headlock. And Bob was long and lanky, and Elwood was about this tall. And, and uh, they were all tangled up. And, and you could see Bob was poking him in the side. And, and, and Elwood uh, says, but Bob... I'm not Gucci. And he's trying to get him here and make him laugh, tickle and, and, him, uh, uh, and, and Jackie knows Elwood, uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, you can see Bob hit him harder. And he said, "I could break your ribs." No, Elwood said, and "I could break your neck." Yeah, and uh, yeah, as, as as Jesus is delivered. And they think they're doing something so high and mighty and power. Uh, As the old song says, he could have called 10,000 angels. But he loved us enough that he allowed himself to be delivered. He loved us enough that he allowed himself to be handed over. Listen, he didn't need to call 10,000 angels. He didn't need their help. He didn't need their assistance. He could have spoke the word and they would have fallen away like cornstalks in a hailstorm. They'd have been gone. But he loved us enough that he allowed himself to be delivered. He allowed himself to be scourged. He allowed himself to be ridiculed. He took their abuse. He took their punishment. He took their cross. He took the best hell had or the worst hell had to offer and came out victorious on the third day. Listen, this idea uh, of they delivered him is almost humorous when you read it, but we see uh, his love, his power was subdued, shows us his great love for us. Not only uh, his subdued love, but look in verse seventeen. As I continue to read it, it it almost gets funnier as we read. And it says there, they took Jesus in verse 17. They took Him. Really? They took Him, and He went out to a place called uh, the place of the skull. Um, They led Him, it says... They took him, they led him, really. Any of y'all ever grow up around the farm? You ever tried to lead a bull or a horse anywhere? They might go where you wanted them to go, but it was only because they decided to go. It wasn't because you were that strong or that smart. The only reason you got them in the barn was because they decided, I'll go to the barn. Because if they wanted, if they didn't want to go, they was not going. And even if you got them in the barn and you, they didn't want to stay, you couldn't have kept them. They led Jesus. They took Jesus. Now do we see His subdued power, but we see His submissive provision. His submissive provision. And they take Him, it goes on uh, in verse 18, it goes on and says, "...and there they crucified Him." There they crucified Him." They delivered him. They took him. They led him. They crucified him. Now, that gives us all the wrong picture of what took place. He went. And he laid down his life. He gave his life as a sacrifice for you. They didn't take anything. They didn't lead anything if at any point he would have decided i'm not going the game would have been over if at, you know, on other occasions if you remember the gospels they, they have tried to take him before and he wasn't ready to go and he passed through their midst and they didn't know where he went they tried to take him before they've tried to arrest him before they've come up against him and they've brought charges and they've brought words and he took their own words and tied it around them flipped them upside down and flicked them off like a like a fly on a a, on your arm his submissive provision what he did was not for Him he, that He allowed Himself to be led. He allowed Himself to be took. He allowed Himself to be crucified so that you and I could know Christ, know God, be saved. You want to know how He showed us He loved us? You know what love, I, his, his language is? It is subduing His power. It is His submissive provision that He allowed Himself To be put on that cross. One of my favorite songs. I haven't heard it in a long time. Is a song. uh, Pianist in my first church used to sing it a lot. Uh, It's called, He Grew the Tree. That made the old rugged cross. He grew the tree. That made the old rugged cross. They didn't lead him. They didn't take him. They didn't deliver him. They didn't crucify him. He laid his life down as a willing sacrifice so that you could be saved. You see his subdued power, his submissive provision. Finally, I want you to see the sinister penalty. They crucified him with two others. One on each side, and Jesus between Just reading that, you may not even catch the, the symbolism, the message in that statement. But by putting Jesus in the middle, and putting the other two on each side, was a statement, was symbolic to the people who would have witnessed and observed the crucifixion, that of the three... Jesus was the worst criminal. Well, I guess He was because He had the sin of the world on His back. He was the worst criminal just because He had my sin, your sin. it's difficult for us to even begin to fathom a crucifixion. Many who were crucified would hang on the cross for days, slowly bleeding to death. They would hang on the cross. And you and I are used to the traditional shape of a cross like this. Many times they were put on a cross in the shape of an X. Sometimes they were crucified upside down. Historians all agree it was, about the, it was the worst possible way of execution. As Jesus carried his cross, he would carry what typically what they would do was they didn't carry the entire cross, they would carry the cross beam. And they would take and then attach it at the site to the vertical post and stand and drop them in a hole. They didn't die from the nails in their hands. In fact, many Most who were crucified weren't nailed to the cross. They were tied to the cross. And they were tied to the cross for the simple reason that it made it worse, actually, than the nails. At least with the nails, they would bleed to some extent until they began to bleed out and lose strength and pass out. When they were tied to a cross where they had been beaten and scourged and abused prior they would tie them and hang them on a cross, and there would be a little peg for them to put their feet on. And they would hang by that cross, and as they got weaker, they would hang, and they would begin to sight down to the point where the nails of the ropes would pull so tightly across the chest they were unable to breathe. They would had to pick themselves up on that peg, and they would stand up and pull themselves up on that peg until the cramps in their feet from that peg from being weak would cause them to begin to sag, until they couldn't breathe. And they'd stand up, and they'd sag, And they'd stand up, and they'd sag, And the sun would beat down. And they would suffer for days. But just as the Old Testament had prophesied, Jesus would be nailed to a cross and he had already been beaten and abused so bad, his side pierced, that what normally would have taken several days, he was dead by dark. How does Jesus say, I love you? Not with a box of chocolates. Not with a... $5 $5 greeting card. There was a bunch of blood-stained dirt around the foot of His cross with a beaten and broken body, with an abused, rejected message. He says, I love you. I want to ask you to bow your head this morning. I didn't tell you anything new this morning. I didn't give you any great big deep theology. I didn't say a word that I haven't said from the pulpit along with probably every other preacher that has ever delivered a message. But I hope it will remind you this morning, if you're watching with us online or in this room, just how much He loves you. How He demonstrated... His great love. And so the question I would have this morning is is a dual question. For those who would say, I know Christ as my Savior, I know Him as Lord, I have no question about my walk, my relationship with Jesus Christ this morning as you've been reminded of the demonstration of His great love, I hope your heart's been moved to show Him how much you love Him. I want to invite you wherever you are, at home, in this room, just to take a moment and to kneel, you come up here to the altar, kneel at your seat, sit down, whatever, and simply say, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I want my life to show it. But the most important person I can talk to this morning is the one that would say, I don't know Christ personally. I don't know Him as my Savior. I've never asked Him into my heart. Whether you're here, whether you're watching with us online, however you're hearing my words today, Jesus did everything He could to show you He loved you. All the way up laying down His life for you you don't know Him as your Savior today can I invite you to step out and come up and let me show you from God's Word how you can be saved today how you can know Him personally how you can know Him as your Savior how you can know when you walk out these doors today that if I die I'm going to heaven I'm going to spend eternity with God you can know that before you leave this building. You're home, send me an email, call, comment, reach out some way so we can talk. Right where you are, you can pray. You're in your living room, driving down the road. You simply ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins. Come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. You can do that wherever you are. Father, this morning we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You for this few verses that once again bring us face to face with Your Son saying, I love You. God, I pray this morning that Christians will be challenged, will be moved as we're reminded once again of the great love of our Savior. God, I pray most of all for the one that doesn't know Christ. They don't know Him as their Savior. God, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day they would ask Him into their heart. Maybe they've been in church their whole life. Maybe they hold an office in church. Maybe a teacher, a deacon. But they're honest this morning they they say, I don't know Christ personally. Don't know him as my savior and i want to know him because he showed me his great love we give the honor for what you do for which in Jesus name i pray amen as we stand together good I just want to without tell you, I love you. Am I, I want to thank you for loving fair. me. The Bible says without He loved us when we were unloving. While we were still in sin. Like a You're ship up. without a sail. Jesus. Where would you be without Him? Oh, do you know Him today? Do I turn Him away? Oh, Jesus. About it? Oh, Jesus. Without Him, my loss, I would be. Alright, thank you for your attention this morning. Again, remind you as we um, go out, um, the, again, next Saturday morning at 10, if you can help us out back here for a little bit, uh, that would be great. Um, also, uh, uh, as you go out again, um, ask you to, to be mindful, respectful. Um, I know you may not think uh, about virus and social distancing, but some people are really... Um, really worried about it. Uh, some of us hadn't had our shot. Uh, you can tell who has because they got horns on their head, don't they, Kathy? Um, and so, uh, Kathy, I told y'all y'all'd grow horns if you got that shot. Look at her, uh, and so uh, she's she growing. I guess she's. I'd be, I told her I'd be worried the way Gary likes to hunt, that he might shoot her. Uh, and so. <laughs> uh, but um, I said, uh, just again, be mindful of other people uh, and their preferences. Uh, all right, let's bow as uh, we dismiss together this morning. C.D., would you dismiss us, please?